heard about Anchor, it is the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your own phone or computer. Anchor will also distribute your podcast so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more podcast platforms. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. All right, folks, uh, this is episode 80 of YWC Football Talk. As you guys can see me, I've got Ryan Spagnoli at Pat's Pulpit with me. Um, We were going to talk draft today and everything, but a few hours ago, some news broke, which you always love it when news breaks before a podcast, but not this news with Julian Edelman first getting a failed physical designation release and then his ultimate retirement. As you can see, I got my Edelman jersey on. Ryan's got his back. Uh, he's wearing it backwards, but it's the Edelman hat. Take, it, yeah. <laughs> take, take my word for it. But uh, besides that, how are we doing today? Doing well, man. Yeah, that, that news stings. You know, like like we talked about off air, you know, you kind of saw it coming, right? I mean, with, with the reports last week from Karen Gurgi and of, of the Herald, I believe, you know, it said it wasn't doing well. And, you know, it was something where surgery couldn't alleviate the pain. He kind of figured this day was coming. I was kind of holding out hope for maybe starting out on on the uh, on the pup list, right? Miss the first six weeks and then come back and, and try to get a stretch run in because I think they got a pretty good football team down here in Foxborough. But yeah, I mean, it's uh, when you first saw the news, it was like, oh, did they really cut him? Like, is this, you know, is he going to go, is this going to end with him catching a touchdown pass in Tampa? You know, yeah. and then, then you kind of saw that you need to kind of put all the dots together and, and hear about how bad that knee was. And then obviously his announcement uh, via Instagram and Twitter, uh, bittersweet, man. I mean, I, I know, I don't know if I can speak for you, but for myself, like he's been here 12 years, I'm 23, really started becoming a diehard fan around then, you know, he's one of the main pieces of that. So uh, that, that one stings, but I mean, you can't, you can't do anything, but thank him for, for all he did here, man. I mean, that his job wasn't easy and he, he perfected it for so long. Exactly. And there's a, there's a phrase I've heard you use and Pat use before on your guys' podcast, Patriot life, or like when everyone is saying Tampa, I feel like it's kind of saying like the whole, when you have an end, like when you have an NHL team and everyone's like wants to go play for the superstar, like McDavid, Crosby, Ovechkin, et cetera. Like with NBA, like how everyone wants to go play for LeBron. I feel like once the Tampa news got out, it's like, Oh, he wants to go reunite with Tom, do all that. But he just seems like the guy who just like, look, like his retirement video said Foxborough forever. Like he just seems like he, that, that's who he seems like. He's just that, that kind of guy. Like he's truthful and loyal to his brand. Yeah, man. I mean, like his, he, he's been throwing that out since last May, he put up a post, which I thought was kind of a, maybe a little jab at Brady, obviously they're buddies. He's been saying that forever. Um, I think he really, he, you know, if you watch his documentary, I think it's called a hundred, forget what it's called, whatever it takes or something like that. It was on Showtime a few years ago, basically his road back from the ACL to, to Super Bowl MVP. Um, you could tell his, his parenting, especially from his father, you know, really w- was similar to Bill Belichick's coaching style, right? Like, you know, there's no easy days. Everything that, you know, you want is works hard. You got to, you got to, you know, talent doesn't, what's the saying? You know, you know, I'm getting that, but yeah. basically like Belichick's coaching came from his father. And I think he really appreciated that. Obviously, you know, the story, right? Seventh round or college quarterback had one catch in college, didn't have a combine invite. I think he really embraced that. Uh, the Patriots giving him a chance. Uh, so, I, you know, obviously people like to float that out. He's obviously super appreciative of Brady. They're best friends. But I think whether it was this year, next year, or two years from now, I think he would have ended up finishing his career here. I just think he's that type of guy, that type of player. Exactly. That's what I meant by the whole, like, loyal to the brand thing. Like, he wants to stay. Yeah. He's, like, loyal to his thing. I believe it was, like, 
232nd overall as well. Like he's like one of those true success stories of look, here's a guy who made something out of nothing. And, and not only having all these great moments that includes the great whip route in Super Bowl 49, like you just tweeted the, the amazing catch in Super Bowl 51, where you just hear him in the audio, I caught it. I caught it to him, not like holding guys back and celebrating in the Super Bowl 51 when he wasn't sure. Oh, did he cross the line to an MVP performance in Super Bowl 53? So it's just the true, true career that honestly, a red jacket will be waiting for him in the next few years at one Patriot place. For sure. Yeah. He's a, he's a Patriot lifer. Like we talked about, you know, Matthew yeah. Slater, David Andrews, obviously just signed that contract. Those are guys that are just core guys, right? What red jackets are waiting for all those guys. You can yeah. make a case for Edelman for the gold jacket. I don't think that's the time to debate it now. I think it's the time to kind of cherish his, his career here. But uh, in my opinion, he's a hall of famer. Do I think he gets in? Probably not, but you saw with those dominant Steeler teams and dominant, you know, uh, Cowboys teams, a lot of those guys got it because they, you know, not necessarily postseason sets don't hold a lot of weight in terms of the Hall of Fame because you're on a great team. You're going to have a lot more opportunities and, you know, guys like, uh, you know, Odell or something like that that are obviously more talented, but, you know, didn't have the postseason resume to do it. But considering his story and where he came from and, and how hard it took him to get to the top of where he was, uh, he's a Hall of Famer in my ass, put it that way. Exactly. Like the Patriots have done such a good job of developing guys who are something that nothing, even look at Danny Amendola, for example, another one where he was undrafted, didn't do a lot, came here and really built his career up. Just like just more examples of the Patriot way as well. That's another thing I was going to say. When you think of the Patriot way, Edelman's like one of those guys that first comes to mind, like him and then obviously Tom when he was here. Yeah, for sure. He's, he is the, you want to look up what Patriot way means. Look at like in the dictionary, Julian Edelman's the first name. I mean, Tom Brady, obviously for sure, but, I think when you talk about success stories, he's right up there with Brady. I mean, obviously Brady has the six rings and was the six round pick. And obviously his story is insane too. Uh, but what it took Julian to get to his, his, you know, point in his career and be such a viable piece and a key cog in that dynasty 2.0. <laughs> Dude, they don't win one ring without him. Like the, those three, he was a major piece in all of them. Obviously the, the 49, Super Bowl 49, he helped torch that probably the best defense ever, in my opinion, right? Caught meaningful third downs down the stretch that game winning drive, made the unbelievable catch. And then they don't win that Rams game without him. I mean, they couldn't move the ball. So um, his, uh, his legacy will live here forever. So we're, we're super thankful. I'm sure you are too. Same. Like this is honestly back in 2014, I just started, like I started working out like my first job out of college and my first true purchase was from the patch shop was this number 11 right here. Like, I just, I, like, as soon as I got home, I'm like, I had to put this on for recording. I know it looks a little fanish, but I'm like, look, you just got to pay respect to what truly is one of the best Patriot receivers of all time. For sure. Yeah. I mean, wasn't the most talented, right? He wasn't a Randy Moss. He wasn't a Dion Branch. He wasn't a, you know, the other guys that came through Antonio Brown for a game, but his, his work ethic and the way he played the game just so hard. And like I said, his role wasn't easy, man. It takes an absolute sicko to go over the middle and take hits he did over the course of his career. Be able to have, I mean, 12 years, when you look at the way he played and the way he put his body in those situations, 12 years, that's a hell of an accomplishment. Yeah, and even to exactly, like his knee hasn't also been right since the uh, he tore, unfortunately tore it in the 2017 preseason. And then unfortunately had the four-game pop for PEDs, which you and I even talked about that off here. We were just kind of fortunate it wasn't that, but at the same time, yeah. too, it's just one of those things that you can't, like, I know a lot of guys when they leave, you always say, oh, thank you for your service, but we can move on. This is a guy that not, I don't think, only be missed on field, but in the locker room as well. Yeah, big-time leader. Big-time leader. Like I said, it, that's a guy, I know Tom has the presence, but I think Julian does too for how small he is as a person. Like, when he walks in the, into a locker room, he demands that, that you know, 
he's that the alpha male in the room, right? Like this guy's been here, he's done it, he knows what it takes. That's a guy I'm gonna lean on and, and try to model my career, my game after, no matter if you're a receiver, quarterback, you know, even a long snapper. Exactly, but I feel like he'll always be welcome. So, like, say if he wants to come over during training camp, maybe. No, I'm not saying, like, oh, work sure. with the guys, but kind of, like, give them maybe pointers, obviously, with guys like Kendrick Bourne and Nelson Aguilar being new to the Patriot mold. So, we'll see what happens there. Um, but, no, that's all I got to say. Like, I literally, as soon as you, like, I saw the retirement, I decided to go, what am I going to name this? It just had the simple, thank you, Jules. Like, that's the simple yeah. name for the podcast. Sure. I, can put, I can put squirrel emoji, but I don't know how many people outside of Foxborough actually know about that. What the scroll? Yeah, I know. It's yeah. funny. And he, he he fits it though. I mean, that that's yeah. if you could think of a one character or one like little animal or emoji that describes him and his play, it's the squirrel, no matter what. Exactly. Um hundred percent. Um just want to move on now to uh because obviously we are less than two and a half well, I was supposed to say less than two. We're about two and a half weeks away from the NFL draft. Like wh- obviously, look, there's a lot of rumors that we can move up and get a quarterback, but do you do you think they're going to do something, or do you think they may just wait and sit coy? I mean, it's hard, man. I mean, this would be so uncharacteristic of them to do that, right? But um, so was spending that much money and going out yeah. and spending, you know what I mean, getting that, that many, you know, talented guys via free agency. So uh, when you look at how they built their roster, a lot of those guys that they signed are to multi-year contracts. Hunter Henry, Johnny Smith, Kendrick Bourne, Matthew Judon. Right, with Cam Newton on one-year deal, right, uh, for, for basically backup money. Um, so you had to think, I mean, obviously money talks, right? We know that. But you have to think when they're negotiating with these guys, they had something else up their sleeve. So uh, basically, if there's a time to go up and get a quarterback, it's a very good class. The top five are very good. I'd take any of them, really. I mean, obviously, we know where Lawrence or Wilson will go. But really, the, the Lance, the Jones, the Fields, I'd take any of them. I think they could. I trust their evaluation that they're going to go up and make a move for a quarterback. You have to trust their evaluation. That they're getting the right guy. Um, so like I said, it, I, I'm not expecting it just because it'd be so unlike them and I don't want to get my hopes up, but I wouldn't be surprised because of the off season they've had. And I think when you look at their roster, the only hole they really have is quarterback for, from the long-term perspective. I, you know, I know I'm not, I'm not a big Cam Newton guy, I think. Uh, but I do think that the help around him this year will help put a better product on the field and help him obviously no matter what. So, um, if they're not solely sold on, on Jared Sidham, I know Robert Kraft spoke about him being a big fan of his and his development. I think last year was a stunt in his development just because of how weird the year was, not really a training camp preseason, stuff like that. So if they're not truly sold on him, which he's got two years left on his rookie contract, go up and get a guy like do it. You, you have the, you have the ability to, to mortgage future picks because you have your core locked up. Exactly. That's the one thing, too. And I figured as soon as you said that or even heard Robert Kraft uh, say that a couple weeks ago, I probably brought a little smile to your eye because I know you're oh, big quite the big guy. Jared Sidham guy. Yeah, yeah, like that's one of those guys, too, where I'm like, even last year at this time of year, obviously the, our weapons were sparse. Jared Sidham was a starter. I would have been OK with it. But now we know, like, look, Kraft wants to take a shot at him. Kraft's not done, not done with him. So if we were to have a quarterback room of Cam, uh, Stidham, and then what I think – trying to remember his last name, uh, Jake Dolgetta. Dolgala, yep. Dolgala, my bad. Um, but if we can go up and get, I think the, I was going to say Jones, Field, Fields, or Lance, it just, I think it really depends on what San Francisco does at three, slash the whole new rumors of Jerry Jones being infatuated with Kyle Pitts, how that could really screw things up. And it, I, I just had to mention that because obviously like, every time I hear that, I want to laugh, but they're in a very particular situation just because I feel like Atlanta or even Detroit are the candidates just because I feel like 
since he's going to want a lot to move from five, and then we know that divisional team's not going to trade for New England, especially knowing they're going to want a quarterback. Yeah, I think Miami's playing sneaky, you know, quarterback gatekeeper in a sense, right? They had the three yeah. pick. They got three first-rounders for that pick. So, hey, if you want to go up and get a guy, great, this is the price. And the Patriots never pay that. Yeah. Uh, I don't think, at least. Uh, and then they go back and move to six. So it's like, you can't get in front of us, you know? So um, obviously Cincinnati, we know they're not going quarterback. I think they sit there because I think it's very likely quarterbacks go one, two, three, four, and they get the best positional skill player on the board there, whether they go tackle or they go Kyle Pitts or Jamar Chase. Um, it would make sense for them to stay at five. Um, you know, it's, for me, it's getting a seven. I think if you can get the seven, you'll have a quarterback on the board, right? I mean, unless Miami's willing to trade out and kind of, you know, like I said, play quarterback gatekeeper to you and, and kind of, you know, play ball and say, Oh, if my, if New England's moving up to seven, we'll move six to a team that wants a quarterback, like a, you know, maybe Denver or Pittsburgh or Washington. I think Washington's a team to watch out for to move it out of New England to get a quarterback. Um, so yeah, it'll be interesting. You know, there's draft day trades, uh, but it does, it, it depends, you know, solely on what the Niners do at three. And I, I think it'll be Mac Jones, but, you know, there's a lot of smoke screen out there too. I wouldn't be surprised. I think Justin Fields, whoever gets Justin Fields, wherever they get him, that'll be the best value you pick in the draft. Oh, 100%. Because like at this time last year, it was Fields, Lawrence. I was your one too, obviously. Fields, Lawrence, since they're freshman year high school, man. Those yeah. two, like he's, he was the third highest ranked quarterback ever coming out of high school per two four seven sports, ever. Like this kid's a stud. He's been a dog for, for that many years. I don't know where this is coming from. Uh, I love Zach Wilson. Like I, I love his game. I, you know, he's he's flashy, the, the type of quarterback that you like to see. But the fact he's ranked over, you know, Justin Fields, it's just comedy. I, I don't understand it, but I'll take it because I'll, I'll, I'd love to, you know, be in a situation where we could potentially get him. I feel like with the Wilson and Fields thing, I feel like Wilson's kind of like this brand new toy. Like, you know how you always see his little kids where it's like, they're playing with a the toy, then they see something brand new and they get attached to it. I feel like that's yeah. everyone with Fields, but it's like, hey, look, that still works perfectly and it still works fine. So that's where I, I feel like, look, whoever gets Fields is going to get a good quarterback. I liked your Washington one just because, like we're saying, Washington's a team to watch out for. Pittsburgh, I don't know personally just because I feel like, look, they're sticking to Ben for this year and we'll see what happens. I partly just thought, look, Chicago's going to come out of nowhere and trade their future assets, but apparently – Bears executives told Pace, no, do not. We don't want you mortgaging our future again for to move up and get a quarterback. So we'll see what happens. But I ultimately think it could be Denver and New England with, like what you said, Washington kind of being that dark horse team to watch out for. Yeah, for sure. It'll be interesting how it shakes out. Um, like I said, if you can get the seven, you'll be in a pretty good spot. Um, I think one of those guys falls, even if they go one, two, three, four. Um, you'll still get the lance. But I mean, it's very unpatriot-like that they'll just say, oh, we'll take the best quarterback available. Right. They're, they're very strategic with how they go about their draft board. So um, if they don't like the player, if they don't feel it's a need to, to, you know, a smart move to go up and get them, they won't. So it's all about how it shakes out. Obviously, they are attending field second pro day. They had their head scout there at his first one. So there's definitely some interest there for sure. And I think he fit really well. I think it'd be a great situation for him to sit and learn behind a professional like Cam for a year. Um, but like I said, we'll just have to wait two weeks out. So th- things are starting to come through. Exactly. It's like that exciting time of the year because I always tell people this whenever I started, like, it's like, oh, why did I start a football podcast? Because football's that one sport. Look, it's a, it's a year round thing. Sure, like, oh, yeah. there's some dead downtime probably like in June or in like June when not a lot goes on right before training camp. But look, it's just, there's so much talk with the draft. Like, for example, with NHL, how the, it's like, hey, season's done, draft happens, then boom, everything kind of goes quiet for a month or two. Meanwhile, football is just like a, it's a train that never stops running. Yeah, it's great from a viewer's perspective, right? I mean, 
the drafts of the, it's the best draft in sports just because there's so many great players and there's so much movement and you never know what to expect, right? It's seven rounds. It's, it's, it's wild. It's like the, it's perfect. Honestly. Yeah, no, I could not have said it better. It's, it's just perfect. But the one next thing I want to get into is if the Patriots don't move up for quarterback, like where do you think I could potentially go? Like, and so one thing I wanted to bring up that I've seen you bring up before was, uh, them potentially going after a corner just because obviously there's some doubt with their with Jackson and Gilmore. I only say Jackson just because obviously they tendered him and we don't know what his contract situation is going to be like going forward. So do you think someone like a Caleb Farley could fit in at 15 if they stay put or? Yeah, I love Caleb Farley. I think that was a top 10 talent coming into the year. Obviously had the back issues. He's been dealing with it since 2019. So that's a little sketchy, right? He took a year off and now he's still an issue. So he had to go get fixed. Um, if they don't move up, I don't think they pick at 15 either, right? Because they have that big gap between 46 and uh, 98, 98, you know, 98 where the Brady comp pick is. So, you know how Belichick likes, you know, that those prime day two and three picks. I think if you have an, if you don't go get your quarterback, I think staying at 15 is stupid. Trade back to a team that maybe wants to move up and get a guy. Trade back, you know, to the late first round, early day two and stockpile picks you know, between the thirties and nineties have about five, you're right in your sweet spot there. You can get, you know, some great value, but if they were to stick at 15 and they weren't going to quarterback, JC Horn's my number one guy. Um, I think he brings that. He can play perimeter corner. He's long, he's physical. Uh, he kind of has that dog mentality. I think that'd be a great guy to fit. Uh, and there's certainly some uncertainty between, you know, both Gilmore and Jackson, uh, Jackson being tendered, like you said, and Gilmore with one year, 7 million on his contract, he will not take a snap on that. Uh, so he'll either have to be extended before the year or, or move. So I think corners a sneaky need. Obviously, John Jones will be an unrestricted free agent. They have Miles Bryant kind of in the in the pipeline to take over that slot corner role. But um, the way Belichick runs his defense, he needs elite secondary. And I think, you know, getting a talent like Horn, even Sertain, I don't think he falls, or even Caleb Farley. Um, that'd be a, kind of a Patriots pick to get, take a bargain on a guy who's had some medical history and, and have him pan out here. So. Uh, corner's my number one need if, if they don't go quarterback and they stick at 15. Yeah, exactly. Because even like last year, I remember Belichick obviously moved back from 23 to go to, I believe it was 36, and then, and then Duggar was the pick. And I remember I had Giants fans reaching out to me saying, oh, you only got him because uh, Xavier McKinney went right before. But I'm just like – I loved him. I really did. I really loved him. Yeah. No, I'm just saying like I like they were obviously just throwing shade at me. But I remember to Kyle Duggar, everyone was like, oh, who is this guy? But like, look, Division two guy, and he ends up coming in and being a dog for that defense, which now he's – expected to take that next uh, second year leap, if you will. Yeah, for sure. I think he'll play that Pat Chung role, kind of that dime back, uh, play in the box, play downhill, take on tight ends, be physical. Uh, that was a slam dunk pick. And they, people don't talk about his jump, right? I mean, D2 guy, no offseason, no mini camp, no training camp, really, no no preseason, steps right in and plays an integral role week two versus Seattle. Uh, that's a talented player. And I think you know, his year two leap is going to be something we haven't seen before because he was damn good his first year with very limited on-field time as a rookie. Exactly. And even the other thing I want to say is for as good as day one picks are, I still believe that, and I think Belichick believes his philosophy as well, that's where I got it from, that you make your bones on day two and day three with those selections. I think those are also the ones too, which brings the most hostility to draft rooms when guys get into arguments about where you should go. So I feel like, look, for as good as the day one you, you can have, I feel like it is just as important to have a good day, day two and day three. For sure. And I think the last few years, the reason they spent so much obviously was, you know, they had, you know, top cap space and, and the way the cap worked out with COVID. Um, they were really at an advantage in being able to spend top dollar, but also they spent top dollar because they were filling some of those holes from, from poor drafting in the last few years. But 
Uh, with Casario gone and Dave Ziegler now taking the reins, kind of in that director player personnel role, um, Kraft alluded to it in his press conference. He's seen a change. Uh, I, I think this could be a slam dunk draft for them. I think it's it's going to be a weird one just because there's not a lot of film on these guys that you'd like because of COVID and, and a lot of opt-outs, but um, where you could see teams tr trade, you know, this year for a future capital and a more normal college year and more normal, you know, season. But um, I think the approach this year is going to be much different. You could see them do some wild things. Yeah, exactly. And also depends too on uh, what picks Nike wants to sign off on as well. So that's, yeah, really, right? that's, mean, a, that's just a big killing, factor. He's been killing it lately. He's been killing it. Yeah. <laughs> I love how the one thing of him just goes viral. Like I for as good as great as last year was, obviously it was the one because like last year everyone was starved for sports and the NFL drafted all time viewership. Like someone like me who doesn't even want like I in the past I would only watch like day one and then parts of two and three to see what the Patriots do. Like for all three days you were hooked on and I feel like this year people are just gonna still have that itch to see exactly, hey look, I know sports are bad, but look, the NFL's always king. Oh, yeah, that draft will blow it out. Just some really good players, too. First round is loaded with talent all over the place. Quarterback, wide receiver, tight end, edge. I mean, it's going to be a, a really good draft. And these prospects are only going to get better just because of the development and to be able to, you know, get strong and, and do all these things that you didn't see 10, 15 years ago. So deep class, very good talent. It's only going to get better, which is crazy. Yeah, and the only thing that would have been better if uh, Chris Olave decided to come out, but obviously we're going to respect him going Maybe back. Next year. He'll be wide receiver yeah. one next year for sure, though. Hey, him or Garrett Wilson, I'd be fine with either or. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, just moving I just want to move on to the Patriots quickly, because obviously with all the moves they made, but the one position they seemed to stay put with was uh, the running back room. Uh, who do you see getting – I know they always do by committee, but could you see, like, uh, say, for example, Damian Harris getting majority of the carries for next year? Oh, for sure. I think he's the early down back. Um, you know, you saw Sony run the ball really well towards the end of the year when he came back healthy. I think that's a really good one-two punch. Um, you know, the value in Sony's pick, he's always like, Nikhil, how are you going to be tagged? Oh, he's a first-rounder. He's supposed to be this elite talent. But um, I think if he's your backup and a guy that can take 10 to 12 carries, kind of give Damian Harris a little bit of a break, and then obviously have James White back and J.J. Taylor, hoping to make that year two leap, uh, as well as potentially Rex Burkhead back, I think that's a strong room um, from, you know, running the football in early downs, catching the ball in the backfield and participating in special teams. That's a very deep room with a lot of veterans on there. So uh, that's a room that we shouldn't worry about. I think, uh, especially with how good the offensive line should be this year. Uh, Damian Harris might be a, a top back in the league. Oh, uh, no, that's, I, I, that's what I was trying to get at. Um, I don't, I have no worries about the running back room. I just want to get where you stood on Harris. That's all. Cause like, obviously he had a few games oh, yeah. in Kansas city and Baltimore where he really stood out on his own. And unfortunately, I mean, yeah, you, you look at him, man. He runs hard, downhill, physical, can run between the tackles. He's big. Um, you know, can he hold up? Running backs get take taking a beating. Their their, you know, career window is a lot smaller just because of the beating they take down on every play. But for sure, I think he's a twenty carry, hundred plus yard guy. Uh, you know, a game. And as long as Cam Newton's the quarterback, I think they're really going to focus on running the ball and taking the ball out of Cam's hands. Uh, and really dominate the middle of the field with the tight ends and that, you know, really good elusive run game. So then with the tight ends, do you still feel like last year was a little bit of a waste, or do you think they could do something where Keen, like Ossie kind of tight end three, and then they maybe take Keen and, like, tweak him into, like, a fullback role or a blocking tight Yeah, end? I think that's probably the future with Keen. I, I never really saw what that pick was. I think Ossie if they run that Raven style of offense that they're kind of been hinting at with the way they've built their team, 
Uh, I do think Asiasi could have some sort of role, kind of that odd man out that kind of gets left open on some plays. I do think he's a good viable tight end two in this league. Uh, I think it was a reach on both guys. Yeah, we'll see what they do with Dalton Keene. Like I said, it was a head scratcher ever since they made the pick and traded up to get him. Um, but yeah, I mean, they're obviously, you know, super set at, at tight end with those two additions. Uh, they should dominate the middle of the field. Both of them are, are very um, unique in their own ways. I think Henry's a really good seam uh, pass guy, you know, can go over the middle of the field, help out in the receiving game, can kind of line him up all over. And John, who can do things out of the backfield and put his hand in the dirt and block. Um, so they're going to have a lot of fun with those two. Yeah, exactly. Because when we got John U. Smith, I remember I was driving with my girlfriend. She's like, oh, we signed John U. Smith. And I was like, oh, that's awesome. And I'm like, okay, cool. If we don't get Hunter Henry, but then I'm work the next day. And I just look on Twitter and I see Patriots signed Hunter Henry. And I had a little look and say, wait, what? And then I'm like, yeah. okay, the Boston Tea Party's back. Yeah. Oh, for sure. I, that was shocking because we did a show on Pulpit that night, like considering everyone kind of assumed Hunter Henry would dominate the market, right? He'd be the first domino to fall. Then you'd see Smith go and see yeah. – you know, similar money, but maybe Henry would get a little bit more. And then when they signed two, it was like, oh, this is awesome. Right? I mean, this has been such a hole for them. Even towards the back half of Gronk's career, they really didn't get much out of that position. Um, tight end's probably their strongest room right now, just between those two. But they got to stay healthy. Henry's had some issues staying on the field a little bit. Um, so he's going to have to stay healthy. But, I mean, even like I said, one of those guys goes down, I think you have a pretty decent backup piece and depth piece in Asiasi. Exactly. I always think of that, like, we'll, uh, nice little slant route he ran against the uh, Jets, and I'm just like, where was this all year? But at the same time, too, it kind of gives you hope for the future that, look, there is something here. Like, that there's something. Yeah, that... no, there's a... yeah definitely. Yeah, because yeah, even, too, uh, what was I going to say? And then going, with them, like we said, I have no worries about this offensive line this year. Uh, when we signed Ted Karras, I was like, okay, I guess we're moving on from Andrews. But then all of a sudden it was, he's back. And like you said, just a guy who fits that Patriot Patriot way mold. Oh, for sure. That was a guy that it really stung when you saw that he potentially could be out going out the door. And then um, I think, you know, threw some feelers out there and maybe didn't get the market. He, he expected and went back to the Patriots. Ultimately, kind of a similar situation that we saw with Hightower and McCourty over the past few years. McCourty's even another guy, even Dante Hightower. To like, as soon as Brady left, like Hightower became my favorite Patriot player. So, there's, like you said, there's just certain guys who are meant to be here who are, like you said, the Red Jackets are waiting for them as soon as they retire. For sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And even, too, the way, like, obviously the spending this year was crazy. We took advantage of a market that dipped. But I feel like the only reason they spent as well is because, look, Robert Kraft knew something was coming with the TV money. For those of you who don't know, Kraft is, a, is a, him and Jones are in charge of the uh, broadcast rights. And uh, Kraft's got a great relationship with CBS Sports. Yeah, that they talk about it in the book uh, yeah. that we talked about. So, yeah, th these contracts are huge right now, but like I said, they push some money down the road, so those cap hits aren't so much this year, allowing them to spend and, and, and sign more guys. Uh, but I think two, three years down the road, without everything's trending lately, those won't look, won't look too, too bad. Exactly. And For now, some people can oh, – I'm sorry to cut you off, but uh, no. those are one of those things you're right, like where it's like, oh, hey, for now, they look a little shaky, but by next year, even the year after, the cap's going to even itself out to where, you know what, those deals look good. Really good. Yeah, for sure. They did, they, like I said, that's just taking advantage of the market that they were in and being able to spend at a time where a lot of teams weren't. Exactly. And even now we have a 17th game, which, you know what, I, for the most part, I've seen, I, I'm ready for it too. But the only thing that's weird is when you got to say, oh, hey, will they go like nine and eight or will they go like 11 and six? It's just like adding that extra win or loss. Oh, is very, uh, it's it's going to take a while. It's going to take a while to get used to. But I just want to ask you then from there, 
where do you exactly see the Patriots window when it comes to the win-loss record? Yeah, it's interesting. I think it all depends on the quarterbacks, quarterback-driven league. What can they get out of Cam Newton? What are they going to do at the position? Uh, is it Jared Sidham? Is it Cam Newton? Is it a guy through the draft? Uh, I think they have a really good defense, you know, especially in their front seven. Uh, obviously, got a lot better at receiver. I still think there's a little piece needed, maybe through the draft, a, a developmental piece, uh, as well as tight end. So uh, I'd say with the way the roster looks right now before the draft, I think they're a fringe playoff team. 10, 9, 10, maybe 11 wins is their ceiling. Uh, and they're just going to continue to build as the years goes on. I mean, it, I've said it for years. They're not necessarily rebuilding. They're reloading, and that may take a few years. But rebuilds take a while, and sometimes you have no timetable on how long those take. Uh, I think this is a team that, that you know, could surprise some people in the AFC this year. Exactly. I don't think it's one of those like New York Jets situations where it's like, look, yeah. hey, we admit this year we're getting a new quarterback. We're going to have a bit of a weak year where we may not win a lot of games. But we know the future is bright with the Patriots. It's, I think there's, I don't know about winning the division because I still think it's Buffalo's unless Josh Allen takes a significant dive off. But I, I, I've been saying this to some friends lately where I feel like there's that window from fifth place to like ninth place where a bunch of teams can finish. Like I have the Patriots, the Dolphins, the Chargers, uh, the Ravens, the Steelers, and the Titans that can finish as high as fifth or as low as like ninth or tenth. So we'll ultimately see where they can go. But look, as long as they can stay in it and where even if they're in that hunt, we got to sweat it out through December. Like I'm okay with it. Yeah. I mean, like I said, they, they were right there to the end. They were, you know, a few turnovers away from being a over 500 team and being down in it till week 16, 15. Um, so it's just capitalizing on those limiting mistakes. And like I said, that's a good point. You know, between five to nine in the AFC, those playoff teams, it can go either way between Miami and, you know, New England, um, you know, Vegas, teams that are just kind of on the fringe there. Cleveland, obviously they took a leap to go to the, you know, almost the AFC championship game, but there's not a big gap between there. I think it's Kansas City is their own tier, and then it's kind of teams floating in the middle. Yeah, I didn't include Cleveland in my list because I still – I think that there's a very good chance they win the North this year just because of the uh, improvements they made defensively and the fact, too, if their offense can stay the same. It's – like, I honestly think Cleveland's like the Patriots where it's all dependent on how Baker plays. For sure. No, it does. That, that's that's very true. Just one thing I want to throw in. Obviously, we're not a Cleveland Browns podcast. It's just a comparison <laughs> I thought of. Like, the little light bulb went off in my head. Um, but, no, the only thing I was going to say, too, is do you think 17 could lead to 18 eventually or – Kind of a wait I think see. that's the way they're trending. Yeah, I do. Yeah. I do. I think they want that extra game, and it's you can't go two, so you do one, and then a few years down the road, uh, they'll address it again. I think they'll ultimately want 18 games. That, yeah, exactly. that odd number just doesn't sit right, but they can't just jump two games, so they'll do it, you know, over a period of time, in my opinion. It's like a gradual, uh, it's a gradual step ahead, kind of like how I've obviously like the new TV contracts we're talking about. It doesn't affect me as much, but I feel like with down, I don't know how you guys feel about the whole streaming thing, but I feel like, look, it's just the teams looking the way of the future to uh, watch games and whatnot. Like, say, for example, if I know after this, obviously, if you're saying you got a hockey game to go to, but if you have that unfortunate incident with the Pats play on Sunday Night Football and you got a beer league, oh, just download Peacock and just have the game stream right there. Yeah, it's easy. It's so much easier. Buy stock and cable. I mean, uh, in streaming services, cable's not. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's for the best. Uh, but if, uh, I think we got we covered a good good amount today, but um, we just gotta wait now. We got the draft coming up. Schedule will be out sooner than later, and it's like I said, the NFL's that train that just uh, keeps on trucking. But uh, I just wanted to, before I let you plug yourself, I just want to say to you guys, if you, any Patriot fan out there wants to see draft coverage of prospects or anything, follow Ryan. He's got every Wednesday night on the Pat's Paul uh, YouTube channel. Him, Ryan, I'm trying to blank on his last name. Yep. 
and yeah. Keegan, the three of them break down the prospects great. I've tuned in sometimes even to you and the podcast and stuff. Uh, and even to you've got a nice Twitter thread full of pro- pro- prospects. So if you guys want Pat's draft info, Ryan's your guy. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. It's been a long, it's been a long uh, draft season, but we're almost there. Be a nice break. Exactly. I'm going to Florida this week for a golf trip. Uh, I'll leave on Wednesday. So a um, little vacation before I should take one, but uh, it's been a long year, but I- I'm excited. It's two weeks out. It's the best time of year. Exactly. And you know what? All I can say right now is, I wish I was on that trip, man. I jealous of that just to go down and go Florida for a week golfing and stuff. Like I actually just played my first round this weekend and a little rusty, but we'll get there eventually. Yeah, we'll get there. Me too. It's, it's not quite golf season here. It was 70 this past weekend, but then 40 on Sunday. So I'll uh, get the kinks out, get ready for down there, but I'm excited. Exactly. I had beautiful weather Saturday. It was like, uh, I think like high seventies here with a nice little breeze coming in. So it was perfect weather to play. But uh, anyway, anyway, just Ryan, if you want to plug yourself uh, quickly to go ahead to exactly where people can find you and your content. For sure. Ryan underscore Spags on Twitter, obviously uh, host a podcast with Pat, who you guys have heard, uh, cover them for Pat's pulpit. All my stuff's there. Obviously draft stuff will, will die down and we'll get into the season and kind of the roster building, but that's mainly where I am on the bird app. Exactly. Well, anyway, guys, uh, thank you very much for Ryan coming on. Once again, it's always great talking to you and thank you for listening to episode 80 of YWC football talk. And once again, guys, all I'm going to say is congrats to Julian Elman on a great career and that uh, he enjoys retirement to the fullest. I doubt he listens to this, but in the odd chance he does, we'll miss you, Jules. Cheers, man. <laughs> I'm Jeff Woods, and I'm shining a light on music and the rock stars who make it. He just was one of those people. He, he stood out. He was a magic guy. He really was a magic guy. All, we all have force. He had the same amount of force as we all have. This was before Led Zeppelin. Robert was full on. I mean, he was Led Zeppelin without the band behind him. He had the hair, the jeans, the whole thing, you know. And he was amazing. The Records and Rockstars podcast heard around the world and yours to hear wherever you get podcasts. All the episodes from JeffWoodsRadio.com. Hi, I'm Logan Anderson, host of the Say the Damn Score podcast. On my show, I deep dive into the sports broadcasting business by, you guessed it, talking to sportscasters. The show has featured big names like Bob Costas, Kenny Albert, and Vern Lundquist, as well as many up-and-coming broadcasters who you may not know yet, but you will know soon. Whether you're looking for professional development as a sportscaster, different career paths, or if you just want to be entertained by hearing some of the best storytellers in the world tell their own stories, this podcast is for you. You can subscribe to the podcast on all major podcast platforms, or you can visit our website, saythedamnscore.com.